there. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Is this great podcast? Is that what's happening? It sure is. The one and only. I, I get excited every time we do it. Well, we are coming to you today with the Create Podcast because I was inspired to share something that I've been processing and working with. And I was actually so excited about this this journey that I've been on that I developed it into an eight-week course. And I'm going to be launching this course March 12th. And so I just wanted to give our listeners almost like a bite-sized piece of what I'm going to be doing in this course in case anyone was interested in coming on this journey with me. Um, Because I think one of the things, you know, in the hero's journey, the kind of the final piece of the puzzle is then to to bring it back, to to take what you've learned, to take who you've become and, and to bring it back into the community. And that's actually how the healing actually happens for me. And for all of us is that we, we bring it back to each other. And that's why I think the Create Podcast is so healing because you and I are just constantly in conversation about what we're learning, what our next edge of growth is. And there's something about sharing it and reflecting it back with each other that solidifies it and puts it in ourselves in a really profound way beyond just the individual processing of it. So I'm really excited. I'm excited to um, share this with you, Kristen, and excited to share this with anyone listening. And specifically uh, because this course, the title of this course is called Melt the Resistance. And I love the image like honey dripping from the inside of my body or even like some thick gunk just dripping off of the real me and then kind of getting to reveal the me that's been underneath of the resistance the whole time. And what I've been fascinated about is, is thinking that the resistance is like a bad thing or something I have to get rid of. But the melting of the resistance is actually the thing that allows me to know who I really am and what I'm really here for and what I'm really about. So the resistance ends up being a gift in and of itself. And so reclaiming and redefining my relationship to all the things inside of myself that I want to disown and dislike has been so freaking powerful. I feel like this edge of growth for me has catapulted me internally in places that I've never been before in terms of that I can actually, I want to frame it this way. We all hear everyone tell us all day long, it's all about loving yourself. It's all about self-love, self-acceptance. And as far as I've gone, in as many years as I've been practicing tools, in as many years as I've been a teacher, in as many years as I've been in loving relationships, in as many years as I've been telling people self-love is the answer, this is the first time I've actually tapped it. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean in terms of the new definition of self-love being not just, ooh, I think I'm so cute or, ooh, I'm so fun to be around, but like, oh, here's all the parts of me that I label and I judge and I try to tuck away. I don't want you to see and I feel too vulnerable about vulnerable about and as I develop a new relationship with them and love them it's loving all the parts of myself I don't want to love that that changes the nature of the self-love relationship yeah so there's so many things I've been learning and I just kind of want to give you guys a glimpse into it but the first thing I've been thinking a lot about is 
if there are parts of myself that I don't accept as perfect enough, then it means I will normalize that it is okay to judge things that are sort of deemed less worthy than other things. And so then my relationship with that gets translated into everything and every person. So it becomes impossible for me to be in a relationship with my best friend, Kristen, without at some point consciously or unconsciously thinking, well, there are parts of you that could be made better Mm -hmm. judging it. And also with my dream, there are parts of this that could be better. Mm-hmm. And also with life, there are parts of this I don't like. And if it would just behave better, I would be happier. So within my whole setup, there is conditions and there is a scale of right or wrong. And the only thing that this scale is doing is giving me a false sense of there's something I can do to about, about all of this, or there's something the universe should do on my behalf about all of this if it loves me. And it creates inside of me a petulant child who gets to complain and be a victim. Mm -hmm. And it creates a separation from actual intimacy. And it's never going to change on the outside because it's all about control. Because I'm always looking at the house could be cleaner. There could be more money in the bank account. Um, I could have a, a more of my dream. I could have more opportunities. I could have a better partner. And there's always this ability for me to judge and shame that there's something that's not right. And either I have to be responsible to fixing it, which is a total waste of my life force energy, or you or the universe has to be responsible for fixing it, which puts me in a transactional relationship with you. And it prevents me from really being intimate with you, intimate with my dream, intimate with life. And so the healing starts when I say, what are the parts inside of me that feel not good enough? Mm. And whose idea was it that it wasn't good enough? And who came up with what is good enough? And if I really start asking those questions, then what I realize is this scale of, I deem this good and I deem this not good didn't come from me and it didn't come from the divine and it didn't come from love because the divine doesn't look at the rose and say, well, this petal isn't as good as this petal or the way it grew isn't as good as the way this one grew. It doesn't have this scale of compare and contrast. So where did I pick that up? And once we get that it, isn't, it doesn't actually belong to me and it doesn't actually belong to the source of love, then I ask myself, then why would I keep it? Mm. How does it serve me to keep it? And so there starts to be a dismantling where in my own understanding, I've said, oh, I keep it to give myself something to do so I feel worthy and I feel good. If there's a problem and I can fix it, then I go, oh, then I'm good. Then I contributed. Then I achieved. And then I feel better about myself. But what it does is it keeps me living a life where in order to maintain my goodness, shit has to go wrong so I can fix it. Ooh, deep. So via the law of attraction, 
I continue to attract problems to prove my worthiness as opposed to attracting desires to prove my wholeness. There you go. So man, once you start seeing that about yourself, you're like, ugh. okay, so I have to stop going around and solving problems. Okay. Okay. I'm going to just surrender then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a good spiritual practice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll surrender. So then what happens for me is all the shit starts going down. Like, you know, flights lose my luggage and partners don't behave the way you want them to. And you come home and you find that, uh, the, the people who've been staying at your house were messy and it triggers you all the things you can't control. Like things are missing that you really care about. Money goes out that you weren't expecting. Oh, it's tax time. Oh, that sucks. Like, so all of a sudden it's like in the moment I'm going to start practicing not needing a problem to solve. It's so tempting. It's like the Garden of Eden. It's like, ooh, look at this problem. Don't you want to solve this problem? And it's a seduction. The problems make it look like it can't get solved if you don't do it. It's seducing you back into the ego land of, but you're the only person who can solve this problem. Your partner can't do it as well as you. You must do it. But it's all because you're taking a stand to say, who am I outside of solving this problem? I love that the problems seduce us back into ego land and they take us out of the present moment, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, as soon as that thought form gets in there and it starts like talking to us and it's like having a little party of problems in our head, like we have left the state of heaven and we are deep in that ego hamster race in our head. Yeah, right? So what starts to happen is you say, okay, well, who am I if I'm not the person that solves the problem? Then what you start to get to is I'm the person who created problems to solve because I don't want to sit with myself. And then you start to say, why don't I want to sit with myself? And the process goes a little deeper. And now we start to get to all the parts of ourselves that we have shamed and put in the closet. And for all of us, this is going to look different. But somewhere along the way, we picked up that I'm too big. I take up too much space. My voice is too loud. My opinion is too much. Uh, The way I think isn't as good as the way someone else does. The way I look isn't as good as someone else's. We start to see all of the places inside of ourselves, those really tender places, where at some point we really felt full and expressed. And someone said, don't do that. Who do you think you are? You know, at some point, especially if you were like a big dreamer, and you said, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be the president of the United States. I want to be a famous actor. And someone said, well, that's a big dream, you know, or, or someone told you it wasn't possible. And so there's that, that disassociated place where there's, there's a lot of big dreams and big heart and big openness that got shut down and shamed. And, you know, there becomes the opportunity to say the parts of myself that I've put away in the closet, those parts that I don't like, 
and, and maybe sometimes those parts look like, yeah, sometimes I'm selfish. Sometimes I want to be first. And I think that I'm not allowed to want that, right? That sometimes I don't want to think about other people. Oh, no, put that away. No, that's not good. You can't be that. You have to be good. You have to be good. So even these really honest parts of our humanity, I, sometimes I want to be lazy and not try. No, 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 that's not okay. That's not okay. Put that away then we start to dishonor ourselves to such an extent that we're really in a costume of what it looks like to be Natalie or Kristen or whoever you are, as opposed to the real what you are. And what we have to be brave enough to do is open that closet door and let come out into our consciousness all of the parts that we don't like all of the parts that we want to judge, all of the parts that we've shamed. Because what we have to get is that once we embrace and give acceptance to those parts, they will stop acting out and running our life unconsciously because they're just trying to get our attention because they want us to integrate them so that we can be whole. And when you think about the wholeness of you, if you've severed parts of yourself, if you're living as half of yourself or one third of yourself, because the other parts you're trying to hide, especially in a new relationship, don't see this part about me. Don't see that I get crazy. If you don't call me, you know, don't see how I get jealous. Like I'm going to put that in the closet. Once we sever those parts of ourselves, then what we're able to receive the desires, the, the goodness of the universe, we can only receive a third of. Once we integrate back into our wholeness, all the parts of ourselves and what we can receive gets so much bigger. So the parts of ourselves that we dislike, shame, and judge are actually the key to our expanding abundance and our yeah. expanding good. Yes. It's, it was reminding me, I've been trying to practice new, uh, <laughs> even in the trying, practicing new levels of intimacy in my relationships, which means sometimes saying, the thing that you're judging about yourself in the moment as part of intimacy. So the first level of intimacy being like, oh, I see that in myself. So I have seen into me. And now to share me with you, I'm saying it out loud. And I have this new girlfriend here in Los Angeles. And we had dinner last night. It was her birthday dinner. And we just did a practice of in this like new friendship, airing out things of, that we don't want the other person to see about us. Oh. And it was so, um, it was so freeing because we could just feel the love expand and expand and expand at the table. And at one point, we're just both crying tears of laughter. But she said, like the most intimate thing to me. I was telling her about uh, someone I was, I, I, I know that we have like a, a mutual friend. And she's like, oh, I'm watching fear inside of myself come up that you might love her more than me. And I just want to say that out loud because I see it in myself. And mm. I just got to reflect. I'm like, thank you for being so brave and vulnerable and sharing that. That is a level of intimacy I'm aspiring to have in my own life. So thank you for just anchoring the friendship in, in that place. And she goes, I was so afraid to air it um, that you might think I'm too much. So just even to be met with, I could share that. And it's something to be celebrated Wow. And so it was just so fun to start to play with these tools in brand new ways and really start to, I am loving myself 
when I air the things about myself that usually I would judge or shame. So just to give it visibility means I'm, I'm giving it this new airtime to, to show that it's not that shameful. And then once I bring it out into the light, I show that it's not that shameful. Well, then now it can be something to be celebrated. So I've created a whole new relationship with that part of myself that I would usually abandon or uh, deny. And that's when we see the power in, oh my gosh, there are, let's call it quote unquote, dark or bad parts in me that I don't want anyone to see. And I do everything. I build an entire life around making sure nobody sees them. It reminds me of Michael Singer's story of the thorn in the untethered soul, where he says you have a thorn in your body. And rather than removing this, the thorn because it would hurt, every time something hits against the thorn, it hurts. And so you end up building contraptions around it so nothing ever touches it. But then the contraption uh, ends up meaning that you can't walk through certain doorways. So you have to move to a new neighborhood and build a new house. But then you meet new people. And then, you know, the contraption uh, has to get bigger because when you sleep, you roll over on it and it hurts. So you build this new huge contraption that you can wear that makes it that nothing ever touches it when you're sleeping. And then, uh, but you, then you have to sleep in like a new place. And so, uh, but then you meet these people who are like, wow, this is the best contraption ever. And you end up making a lot of money based on this contraption because other people want to buy it. So now you have a new job and your life takes a new course because now you're famous for being the person who invented this thing and blah, 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 blah. You get to the end of your life and you realize that this thing that you were trying desperately not to touch actually ran your life. Yes. So the thing that you never wanted to deal with became the thing that dictated every single thing you did. It's a lot of it, I think, comes down to what is it that we're unwilling to feel? So, for example, if I fear being judged or even being attacked for who I am, then what I, by having the fear, it means I'm unwilling to feel that thing. So if I can just sit with, I am unwilling to feel that I might be judged, then I've created a barrier between me and this thing, as opposed to here I am in all of life experience. The universe has everything for me to feel. I am willing to feel being judged. And just giving myself permission to be willing to feel that allows me to enter into places that I wouldn't have gone to before because now I've created a new relationship with it. Absolutely. And many of us get stuck in the rumination and the patterning and the obsessiveness of the mind. The mind is something that plays over and over and over to the point where most thought isn't original. There's something like 90% of everything that we think is recycled, that we actually tell ourselves the same thing over and over and over. And actually the thing that breaks the rumination of thought is expressing feeling. So if you're having a tape running in your head that says, I'm so angry. I'm so angry at this person. I'm so mad that this person hurt me. And it's just variations of the same thing. I'm so angry at this person and it's ruminating and you can't get it out of your head and you can't get the tape to stop that even just holding your arm up to your mouth and screaming, releasing energy, releasing emotion into your arm, screaming into your own arm, taking a breath, the tape will have changed. Because emotion is movement. It's energy in motion. Thought 
is repetitive. So if there's something that you actually want to release, if there's a resistance you want to melt, then you do it by feeling the emotion that you're scared to feel, by going all the way into it with acceptance and compassion. So it moves. It is only in the, I'm scared of it. I want to stay away from it. I want to pretend it's not there, that it actually stays and becomes the thorn that runs your life. It reminds me of that mama Gina practice when she says that uh, if you're feeling down, go all the way into it. She's like, put on a sackcloth, put mud on your face, like really just let yourself get down and in it. And it's exact. It's like almost why we have rituals and pageants. We are creating this movement of emotion so that we can alchemize it, so we can go somewhere new. And it's like always being inside of the resistance of even allowing ourselves to feel that thing, trying to keep it at bay that perpetuates it in our life. And something in really in alignment with this that's been coming up for me in terms of melting my own resistance is also knowing that my instrument has its own method of healing. And sometimes the method of healing that's right for our body and our instrument is something that the world says isn't okay. Mm. So for me... I'm an actress, I'm dramatic, I'm expressive, and I feel my emotions like deep, deep, deep oceans, and I'm not afraid of them. So when I'm feeling real anger or real frustration or real discomfort, and it could be about anything, and in my case, it's usually something really insignificant, like <laughs> um, my luggage breaks and then I just want to have a meltdown, right? So it, it's, it's like the straw that breaks the camel's back isn't always linear. It doesn't always make sense to have this much emotion. But again, I could shame myself for the level of emotion I have, or I could say, yeah, I feel things in a really deep way. And I accept that. And so something that happens for me is when I'm in a deep emotional place, the best thing for me is to get in the bathtub and like scream and cry. Or the best thing for me is to take my hands above my pillow and just hit my pillow as hard as I can. And it releases and moves the energy for me. But in a world that tells you, especially that tells women to not be hysterical, to not be sensitive, to be appropriate, then there's a shame about that type of release, even though it's healthy for my body. So there was many years where I wasn't allowed to express in the way that my body wanted to. And for me, it manifested in anxiety disorder. Sometimes it manifested as uh, depressive states of being. And so it was all just because there was parts of my body, parts of the way my body wanted to heal itself that I wasn't allowed to express and experience that it actually caused other issues that then creates a story where now I identify as a depressed or anxious person where that story doesn't have to get created if the body and its own mechanism gets to be honored. But then you talk about being in a romantic relationship. And this is something that, you know, my partner and I've really gotten a chance to go through together where you can imagine on his end being like, Ooh, this level of emotion feels really scary, right? And especially for men who have been trained, keep your emotions in, don't cry, don't, you know, don't show when you're vulnerable or upset. 
So what's been really healing in terms of melting the resistance and integrating is sharing it with someone, not trying to hide it, not saying you go away so I can, you know, release my emotion, but saying, hey, this is how my body likes to release emotion. And I can see how that could be really scary for you. Is there a way that we could do this together? Mm. And so something that's been fun for us to, to start learning is, is there a way that he can hold space and go, okay, you need to beat on the pillow. Okay, I'll get the pillow for you and I'm here and let's beat on the pillow together, right? So then rather than having to say, there's parts of myself I have to hide from my partner, how can I invite my partnerships into my process so it no longer feels scary? Because if it's happening behind the door and he doesn't know what's going on, that's when it's going to feel scary for him. When I include him in, here's how my body feels when I express this way, it makes me feel so much better. It makes me feel like I'm not going to be overwhelmed. It makes me feel like I'm not going to go into anxiety. Then, I mean, he's all in for that. He wants me to feel good. So when you can include people in the parts of yourself that feel shameful, then that's real intimacy. And that, and Natalie, what, what you're saying is so brilliant. And what I love is it starts with that intimacy with yourself, your ability to go in and go, oh, I feel angry. Oh, I feel frustrated. I feel deep sadness. And now this wants to move. And I think we have this like legacy that goes back into inside women's bodies of them not being able to express emotion, like hysterical hysterectomy like women used to be put in mental institutions if they were too loud too expressive there's been this something in culture that wants women to be small to be not to be seen Uh, and I believe that a woman's genius can be found through emotions and through going within and our ability to like express and express big is also, I think, linked to our ability to be orgasmic. And in the same way, many women don't want to let themselves go in bed, like the, the actual place where intimacy occurs, but don't want to feel all their feelings to let go, to go somewhere wild or, or scary or to the edge. It keeps us away from this deep wisdom that is within us that wants to be revealed. So the more that we give ourselves permission, like you were saying, to have these big expressions, to really allow them in, gets us deeper into the part of us that wants to be known by us. And I think the same conversation can happen for men in a different lens, where men have been told that their job is strength and structure. And so there's been this deep conditioning that a man isn't allowed to feel scared. And he's certainly not allowed to say it out loud, that he's got to hold down the fort. He's got to keep it safe. And at no moment can he say, I'm shaky. I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what to do here. Right. And so there's this sense of the truest intimacy that can happen is for a man to be able to feel all of his feelings deeply and vulnerably. And if he needs to cry, he can cry. And if he needs to say, I don't know the answer, then he gets that. And a woman gets to say, and I get to go all the way into whatever my emotional landscape is, because I bet from that space of you creating the opening of the question and me going all the way into it, I bet together we find the answer. There it is. So when we talk about this as well, 
another thing that that has come up see isn't this like so fascinating when you really like, go down the rabbit yeah, hole of this yeah so you can see why i want to do an eight-week class on this because every single week we're going to dive into the different parts of the shadow that we've disassociated from so there's there's several different areas of our our existence and our experience of our humanity that we've disassociated from. And so we're going to spend every week diving into different ones and why, how we can bring light and love and compassion to these areas. But the, but one of the reasons that I think this is really important is that one of the most common things in my coaching and um, in my practice that I come up against in myself and with other people is this feeling like I know there's abundance whether it's financial or relationship or career-wise, and it always feels separate from me. It always feels like there's, it's available, but it's not available to me. Or I get it in little stints, but not to the fullness that I know is possible. You know, And I see people living with huge amounts of wealth or love or abundance, and it, it feels off the table for me. And so one thing that I've been really learning as I've been going through this process and developing this course as well is that our relationship with receiving begins with the receiving of our full self. And so once I can receive the wounds, once I can really receive the hurt that has happened to me, and I can receive it not from a place of being victimized, but I receive it from a place of forgiveness and unconditional love for myself, and for the other, once I can really receive the wounds, I can really receive the shit end of the stick that may have been handed to me. Once I really receive it and I integrate it, then I can now be an open enough vessel to receive the things that I also want. So it's about opening my hand to say, I am willing to fully receive and process these things. Now, the fear that comes in is, if I fully receive this wrongdoing, do I open the door to it happening again? But when my experience of doing this work and why we do it over the course of eight weeks is if I, in a safe place, open myself to receiving with compassion what has happened to me and integrating it, then what I do is I have the learning, the lesson of it in my body so fully that I see it right away when it's coming again. And I see it from a mile away and I know how to create a boundary that says no more. Mm. But it's only through the full processing of the wound that allows the wound to not re-enter. And so if we're not willing to fully look at the wound to really receive it, then we are still keeping ourselves in a way inside it and re-traumatized. So, cause life wants us eventually to look at it, to be able to receive it. So then we can change our relationship to it and just how that antidote to the wound is in the wound. We have to go all the way into it to receive it, to get the antidote and then be able to create those boundaries in our life. And just to give like a very deeply personal example of this, Early in my life, um, when I was like, a, I believe I believe I was in college, I was so deep in my people pleasing and so deep in not knowing that I could say no if something didn't feel good. Yeah. 
And it was just so, so deeply ingrained in my body that I had to be good and I had to be liked and I had to not ruffle feathers and so deeply afraid of conflict that I found myself at the time of college in a sexual situation that I didn't want to be in. And I can remember lying there and closing my eyes while it was happening, thinking, it's okay. It's okay. It'll be over soon. And it's okay. And I'll just move on and I'll deal with it. So there was already the feeling of just, just push it under the rug and act like it's not really bothering you so that you can get through it. Yeah. And I wonder how often in life something is happening that we don't want (laughs) or something has happened that we didn't want. And there's the place inside of us that says, it's fine. I just want to move on. And it gets us so far, but not far enough. And at some point that moment comes back where it's like, oh, the real violation was that of me to me. Yeah. That the deeper violation was that I let myself be unsafe because I was taking care of that other person's feelings above the integrity of my own soul and spirit. And so when I'm in that relationship with my body, then my body doesn't trust me. And if my body doesn't trust me, then it's no wonder that I feel scared and I feel like I can't do things sometimes. And I feel like my dreams are so big, but I don't have the capacity to follow through with them. And so as we start to look at these places and I can look at 18 or 19 year old Natalie and say, and you did the best that you could with what you had. And there is nothing to be ashamed of, but we got to go back to that girl who didn't feel she had her voice and didn't feel she had options and say, where did that come from? And we have to say, we're going to go all the way back. We can go ancestral back to where that came from. And then we got to look at that place and bring deep compassion to it and say, and the buck stops here. And so the integrating of the wound is saying, I integrate it because I take responsibility that it doesn't happen here again. Yeah, because if we don't take responsibility for it, then that wound creates wounds in the world. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a real deep dive. And it really makes me think of, you know, when Buddha says in life, um, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And I really am coming to think in terms of like really diving into this, where do we find resistance and where do we find the parts of ourselves that we haven't integrated that going into those spaces will cause pain. You know, it's not like we're going to take a a unicorn and rainbows class for eight weeks. There will be some pain that comes up, but it will be the end of the suffering. Yes. It will be the end of the suffering. It's so funny how often we uh, disassociate from the wound or won't even actually allow ourselves to look at it. Twice yesterday, in two different con- containers, I ended up talking to people who wanted to like slough off and not look at childhood abuse. Mm. One was someone in my family, and I was like, well, you were abused. And they're like, eh, eh, eh. and I was like, wait, can we just hold on like that you were physically abused and that needs to have 
wait here. And, and, and then the person I was talking to was like, well, there might've been a little tipsy. And I was like, you were actually abused by someone who was like, there was someone drunk coming at you who abused you. And like, let's like, just hold that for a second. Mm -hmm. And then, and then it happened again. I was working with someone and like, they wanted to like slough off like really intense childhood abuse from a parent. And it, it was just interesting to me hearing it in terms of this context of this conversation of like, just allowing it to have weight. Like there's something in us sometimes that we're so like, well, I'm just going to sweep that on and just get on with my life because here I am and life happens and I have more to do. And it's almost like we can't fully let something go. And by I say let something go, I mean really fully move on into the world until we've accepted what has happened and allow ourselves to feel all the feelings of it. And there's something in us that wants the full experience of life and to understand in our bodies, like you're talking about with expressing all of your emotion, this deep trauma. It's almost like we're re-traumatizing ourselves by not allowing ourselves to feel it. We become almost like the parent that did the violence and then the parent who's not acknowledging that the violence is occurring. Mm. And both all of a sudden now are living within us. And that's so beautifully put. One of my teachers always said to me, we re-traumatize ourselves with the retelling of the story of it. We heal ourselves with the feeling and the moving of it. And so sometimes the story becomes a badge of honor. We become the survivor of the thing. We become the person who prevailed through the thing. And do we get to know our worthiness? Do we get to know our wholeness? Do we get to know our purpose without it? We don't need our story to be special because we already are. We don't need to be the overcomer of something or the achiever of something to be worthy. We already are. So the scariest part of all is to take that off because not only is it the armor that protects us, but it's the armor that shows that we went to battle and we did something. And so without it, who am I? And it's scary. And it's going to feel naked and it's going to feel vulnerable and it's going to feel intimate. And on the other side of it, you will get to know your wholeness and your goodness and your truth without any bells and whistles, without any accomplishment, without any story, and you will get to finally know what it is to love yourself because you will finally be looking eye to eye with your true self and you'll see that you were enough all along. Yes, because the body, the soul, it's self-healing. So inside us, we have everything we need to heal ourselves. And it's really allowing ourselves to be our own soul's physician that it's not out there. <laughs> and as we keep like going out into the world and try to chase that thing, we think it's going to solve the inside thing. But that inside healing balm is within us. Now, yeah. Now, I just want to say thank you so much for doing this work. You are such a living example of doing the internal work on yourself to be, and I see you go within and really have your internal experience and you, it's like you go in and then you receive this answer and this answer you receive for, 
for your soul, you then take and you turn into beautiful teaching tools that you can give away. And it just leaves me in awe. It's absolutely beautiful. The service that you're providing, um, it's, it's completely stunning. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's, it's a real honor to, to do this work and to do it in community. And also it's the thing that scares my wounds the most. And so it's always the right place to go. Really? Does does it really scare your wounds? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, all of them. All of my wounds want to make me really invisible. (laughs) So, um, being, being seen is, um, both the thing that I crave and the thing that feels scary. I'm just so proud of you. Thank Thank you. you for sharing that. I'm just really, really in this work in a, in a beautiful way. And, and it's interesting. I came up with the, the name and the idea of the course months ago, but I knew I couldn't leave the course yet because I knew I had to go through a like a deep dive. And so the last, um, you know, four or five months have been like, wow, a real internal roller coaster, a real like journey. And so now, um, it's kind of exciting to, to come up for some air and say, okay, ready to do the course now, you know, like, uh, the interior landscape is clear enough that we can all, uh, come and hang out in there now. So, um, (laughs) so yeah, we're, we're going to kick off March 12th and I'm sure between now and then is that, you know, it's going to be, uh, I can't even imagine what else is going to come in. Um, but I'm really excited. Uh, it's going to be every Thursday night for eight weeks. It's going to be on Zoom. It's going to be online. So it gives people an opportunity, no matter where you are in the world, that you can join. And that's really important for me because I don't want people to feel isolated from our teaching and our work if they're not in the same city as us. So I I purposefully designed it to be uh, safe and intimate with really loving and conscious people. So, you know, if you are interested in the course, let me know and we'll have a conversation if it's right for you because I want everyone in the group to feel really aligned and right for each other as well as right for the curriculum. And uh, so it'll feel like a really nice safe womb and we'll do it online and we'll do it together and it'll be this beautiful private group and we'll spend eight weeks together and we'll have a private Facebook group just of us where we can share our processes and what's coming up and we can do videos for and with each other and we can be vulnerable and we can practice intimacy with people who are speaking the same language, which is really important. So we can then get some courage before we take it out to the world and our partners and our bosses and our kids. And uh, it's going to be really beautiful. There, there's going to be little pods of, of support and people that are there to, to help usher us into this healing. I'm just really, really excited about it. So if anyone is interested in taking this resistance dive with me, I think it's going to be very, very powerful. And uh, we're going to start March 12th. We're going to run for eight weeks. We're going to spend eight weeks together. And uh, if you're interested, you can email me. It's Natalie Lynn Roy. Natalie and then L Y N N Roy at gmail.com. And if you're um, on our create Facebook page, I'll be posting about it there as well. So you can uh, reach out to me there and tag me there. If you want more info. 
Natalie, it's just like the most beautiful service. And I can feel all the people who are already buzzing just from this conversation and the things that you've shared. I know there are so many people that had multiple ahas. Like I'm seeing people like driving, pull over and go, ah, why didn't she just say I have to write it down? And I can feel this talk already working on the hearts of people. And there's nothing more beautiful than the way that you speak straight from the heart and combine that with your deep spiritual wisdom and you create this really sacred healing container for people's lives to transform and, and so that the world can transform. So um, I'm just, I'm really excited because I can, I just already feel all of the power that is, that is erupting, like potential power just going boom, 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 boom all over um, the world. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you, Kay. And I think that it's always beautiful. We've, we've always like had the joke of, um, you know, I love to take people deep and you love to take people high. And with everything that you're uncovering in your next edge of spiritual growth, where you are releasing your incredible freaking poetry book on the planet, which is so high vibrational and so sexy. I mean, sometimes I read Kristen's poems and then I'm like, I feel like I have to go get naughty with myself in bed. <laughs> like they're so uh, enlivening and uh, they just like, they fire my synapses. I'm, I, it's like a, a physiological thing. I can't handle myself after I read these poems. I'm so uplifted. And also the energy healing work that you're doing and that I got to receive a session from you when we were in Paris. And it was so transformative and so profound. The feeling in my body of just, you know, 20 minutes with you and just what was releasing and what was moving and the vibration in my body that was getting so high. So I love that we've taken these like archetypes of uh, what we like to do. And we've both taken a really deep dive into what that really looks like on a, on the highest level. And it's just really exciting that we get to have these conversations together while I watch you fly and soar in your new um, work and, and you get to support me in mine. It's just been really amazing. It's like the deepest honor of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and you're so pretty. I get to look at you. <laughs> I feel that way about you all the time. I really have to focus sometimes on what you're saying because you're so pretty. I just kind of want to sit here and just like, oh God, she's hot. It's making me think we also, it, kind of in terms of this conversation, but I feel like it's a whole separate podcast. Kristen and I had the most <gasps> deepest, intimate <laughs> sharing. Do we, we talk about that at some point? <laughs> we have to. But we basically... Um, said like how in love we were with the other person and how sometimes like we didn't feel worthy and beautiful enough for the other person. <laughs> and it was like all of our own egos of like how in love we were with the other person made us feel like we weren't enough. Yes. And we both had the same thing at come up at the same moment and we were both scared to tell each other. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I was like telling that, I'm like, sometimes I just get so in awe of you and I'm like, it like paralyzes me. <laughs> I like almost, I have to out myself so that I don't get stuck in like being paralyzed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good to uh, be a human being with you. <laughs> it's, it's like the most joy. It's the best thing ever. Um, thank you friends for listening to this podcast and allowing me to indulge myself in this deep dive that I've been on. And again, if you're interested, find me on the create Facebook page and tag me or send me an email, Natalie Linroy 
at gmail.com. And I'd love to give you more uh, info. And we start in March. We love you. Thank you for being with us. And thank you for continuing to work on yourself because as we all work on our own selves, that's how transformation happens all together. Thank you so much for listening. We love to feel like we have friends all over the world in you who are committed to doing their dream on the planet. And if you like this podcast and you want to find out more about what we're doing or who we are, our pop-up classes, our online classes, you can check all of that out at thecreateseries.com. And if you want to be part of our Facebook community, you can go to the Create Community page. That's C, period, R, period, E, period, A, period, T, period, E, period, community. And if you loved this podcast, why not share it with a friend? 